Welcome everyone to Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode five. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. I am really grateful for you to join me on the show. Today we have got a fantastic guest, Simon Raybold, a good friend of mine, a member of my mastermind group. Um, I have no idea what's going to come out of his mouth, which is also slightly exciting as well. Um, but Simon, <laughs> Simon, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. And what we're going to do today is we're going to, Simon is a, a specialist in presentation and communication, and he is going to share some of his wisdom and his top tips on how to increase and maintain good levels of confidence. Is that right, Simon? Absolutely, yeah. And not just for presentations, because I recognize that not everybody does presentations, but everybody has to feel confident. So the tools I'm going to share, they spill into the real world as well as presentations. Brilliant. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, a long time ago, I started. I don't know why I wasn't expecting that question. I should have been, really, shouldn't I? Um, I started off a long time ago doing a PhD into the causes of childhood leukemias, losing, using big computers and, and very hard statistical analysis. And then I spent 24 years as a university researcher um, before I quit and became a facilitator and trainer. And, and I've also worked as a lighting designer for dance companies, a fire eater, a teacher, a playwright, and an author. I think that's everything. Well, to, to be fair, it's it's one of the very, very... I've done a lot, a lot of really stupid things in my life. My wife has forgiven me all of them, but fire-eating is the one thing where she just absolutely put her foot down at one point and said, if you do that, then then it's over. And, and to be fair, it wasn't the fire-eating that was the problem. It was when she caught me teaching my 12-year-old daughter to fire-eat. That was the point when she said... <laughs> enough is enough yeah i can i can understand that i can understand that so for you for you as well as it's quite a straight it's quite a jump from your researching in leukemia to all of a sudden the facilitating and to where you are now about what with what you do and it's is that was sort of a a planned journey or was that just no, the it way wasn't, it's it was, no not, not planned at all really um but it was it's less of a jump than a, a weird stretch because i started off the, the journey started off when I realized that I was spending more of my work explaining t science than I was actually doing science. And then I got to realize, actually, that was probably what the world needed in any case. Um, you know, we, we, science is a, long, a lot further advanced than, than people think it is, but we don't need necessarily to know, you know the 99th cause of cancer. We just need to stop people bloody smoking, frankly. You know? um, and then it's worth knowing about the 99th cause of cancer, if you see what I mean. So it got to be a point where explaining it was at least as important as, as doing it. And so then I started to research how to communicate with people. Um, and then it moved on from having researched how to explain things. I moved on to researching how to deliver things, and then had and it, it kind of moved from there, really. Yeah, and I suppose as knowing knowing you as I do, it, it's that it's that research that gives you the the impact because you've got all of that research behind you. I mean, you've talked about reading and researching multitude of white papers and research documents in order for you to get this you get your book out as well didn't you yeah absolutely i mean the, the last book took nigh on 400 research papers um plus books 
plus videos plus a whole bunch. Of, but when I say 400 research papers, I mean I went into the university library and I dug out or had my research assistants dig out nearly 400 full-on proper academic research papers. So I'm not, I don't read stuff about stuff. I read the actual stuff. And, and before anybody asks, yeah, it is really as boring as it sounds. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, let's get kicked into these five super tips to um, increase and boost your your confidence. So what is the f- no, tip number one? Well, first question, can I do six rather than five? Absolutely. Why not? Well, it's my Go show. It. I can do what I want. Yes. Yeah, enough. Let's just rewrite the rules as we go. Right. Uh, because the, 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 several of them blur into to each other. But the first tip, and it's the one that everybody is going to go, well, duh, I don't need to be told that. Um, it's to know why you're doing something. Not just vaguely at the back of your head, but absolutely at the front of your head. Why am I doing this? Because if you know what your why is, to use that old Simon Sinek, start with why, um, if you know what your why is, it's much easier to stand your ground and go, no, hang on, if I get this right, the world is going to be a better place. Whereas if you don't know why you're doing something, you're always just kind of on the back foot responding and, and just kind of doing it because other people tell you to do it. Um, and it's much harder to be to be confident about something that you're just doing because you think you should be doing it as opposed to doing something because it matters. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's – I think – I mean, I, I talk about it all the time to my clients. In fact, in episode – one, I talk about the importance of clarity and and you know definition of exactly why you are doing, why you are doing what you're doing. Because without that direction, it's kind of like it's it's that sort of that rebound effect, isn't it? You're kind of like just chiseling away and kind of walking in the dark to find what it is that you're planning to do. Absolutely, and a, a very useful tool I found for that knowing you why is just to grab that tool write it all the way down so it just fits in a tweet i don't mean literally tweet about it i mean just the discipline of, of forming a tweet about it and write that down somewhere such as on a post-it note or whatever and stick it somewhere where you're going to occasionally see it not all the time because then you become kind of blind to it but somewhere where you're just going to go oh yeah and, and, and notice it and go oh yeah that's that that's why i'm doing it you know that yeah. kind of that kind of thing and i suppose the more times you do it the more times you get even clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer you know just like why you would do your one of the things i talk about is definition of success what does it mean to you you have to understand what it means in order for you to pursue it and enjoy it rather than just this in this ether of well success means x because it appeared in a book that I read and I quite Absolutely, liked it, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to go even further than that and say not just know why you're doing what you're doing, but know the work from that and to go what's the minimum I require to be able to call this a success. Absolutely. And yeah. then think about what do I need to do after that because sometimes people they have these great phenomenally big targets and they can't possibly hit them and they feel like they're a failure, but if you know what you're shooting for and why you're shooting for it it's much easier to 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 act like a grown-up and i know that sounds like motherhood and apple pie stuff but so many people just forget to do it yeah well sometimes it's the simple things that elude us yeah absolutely and And, and I, i find a lot of the time in my work that if i'm being coached by anybody i kind of slap my hand to my head and go well duh yeah i knew that but I need somebody else from the outside to tell me it yeah. or point it out to me. Yeah, absolutely. So what's number two? And number two is to celebrate your wins and remember that even a small win is a win. Um, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It might be frustrating, 
but actually net wise it's still progress it's still moving forwards and even if you don't change the world a big way at least you change the world a little bit and that's better than sitting on your ass and not changing it at all so it's about celebrating your wins and recording them because i mean you'll know as well as i do we are evolutionarily designed to be more sensitive to the negative stuff than the positive and if we don't actually record our wins, and by a win, by the way, could be any day when nothing goes completely disastrously wrong. If we don't record those, we forget about them. And we only remember the times when it went completely and utterly belly up. And the rest of our time in, in, in this world, we just kind of forget about. In fact, it's the stuff that we forget about that's the normal stuff. You know, the 80, 90 percent of the time when nothing went spectacularly wrong. Those are the good days. Those are the days that are good enough when you're getting on with your job and when you're doing what you needed to do. But we forget about them. So somehow you have to record them and celebrate the wins. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember I think it's 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 fantastic advice. Because I remember when I was ill and I was trying to get um, I was trying to move towards recovery I would write down everything, even if it meant walking up the stairs without having to stop. And I think it's those successes are relative to how where we are in our our life. But quite often, we don't think of winners till we've made. You know, a lot of the times is the successes is we target it only for big things, and we need to we need to understand that. You know, it's it's the smaller things that actually create that momentum to the bigger things, and you build that resilience up, which is you do, yeah, you you do, and and when i say celebrate them you don't actually have to have a big party it could just be something you know you could tell me that you've walked up the stairs without stopping and and we could celebrate that quietly together for a minute or or something you know when on on a similar basis i've kind of one of the reasons I, i train with a trainer at the gym is because she reminds me on those days when i'm losing confidence about my ability to 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 do something and to get fitter she just reminds me of where i've come from um and it just makes all the difference it's just somebody going yep you did that well Let's go even further, but you did that well. Makes yeah. a lot of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, number three. Okay, no, number three is the one that everybody is going to hate. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to tell anybody where I live after I've given them this advice. It comes from the fact that when I've done confidence and assertiveness training courses in the past, at the start of the day, I've said to people, If I waved a magic wand and I came back to your office tomorrow, what would I see you doing differently? And they've said things to me like, well, I'd be I'd be much more confident about decisions about the new legislation on such and such. Or I'd be much more confident about how to do so and so and so and so. And there's a bit of me at that point is going, do you know what? You don't want confidence training at that point. What you need to do is to get off your ass and learn the law. Learn the technical stuff. And stop trying to pretend that a lack of confidence is a silver bullet because you very, very often don't get confident in order to do something. You get confident by doing something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. You know, how did you learn to ride a bike? Did you did you look at the bike and go, that looks very, very cool. And the moment I'm competent and confident, I will get on that and ride it. No, you didn't. You, you kind of you got on it and fell off. You got on it and fell off, got on it and didn't fall off. And gradually you became confident about what you could do by making gradual incremental challenges and getting technically competent and practicing those things. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that confidence isn't important. Obviously it is. But it is not it's not a shortcut to being able to do your job. No, no. And it's and it's this 
in uh, episode three, I talk about mindset and attitudes. It's very much taking responsibility and have the courage to try then kind of like it's not standing there and going, well, I'm not going to do it until I've got the confidence. Because it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's that, it's that. well, if, you're, if you don't have the confidence to go and do it, then you're not going to do it. So therefore, you're, not, you're never going to get the confidence to do it. It's that mm-hmm. you've got to just do it and kind of like bite the apple and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you put the, the stabilizers on the bike <laughs> you know, to so that it's not as dangerous if you fall off and and things start to go wrong. But you've just got at some point you have just got to you know to bite the bullet, as they say, and 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 learn to do what it is that is frightening you. The technical elements of it are as important as the competence stuff. Sorry, are as important as the confidence stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. Okay, okay. Number four. I feel like a game show host. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. Um, this is number four is actually a, a whole raft of tools that I've got for people. Okay. Um, the one that I think you and most people will be familiar with is, is mindfulness. And there is a lot of evidence. And I mean, a huge amount of evidence now that mindfulness helps with your confidence. It reduces your nerves. It reduces your stress by and large. It makes you big picture, a happier, more confident person. And all you have to do is practice mindfulness. It's not, it's it's not anything that's difficult. You just have to choose to do it, and and then you're doing it. If you if you sort of mean so, it's um, and it's not something you need to do just in the heat of the moment when you're about to do something scary either. It is something that can be done as a discipline, as an exercise. And before you before you get in, and I can just hear you taking a breath here, Jeff. It ain't about the meditation. It's oh, about the lifestyle. It is. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the one of the things is because. Uh, quite often as I'll go and I talk about meditation to my clients or when I'm talking at events but ultimately is when I talk about mindfulness I talk about it's a way of life it's a way of it's a very much a way how you need to start looking at things because it's about increase of awareness and my and the meditation is only a a one type of strategy to help you learn about focus it's but there's so many people that think I've been to events where they've talked about mindfulness and they've just talked about meditation and that's not what mindfulness is about it's just an element of it and I think that's the thing is is it's just very much it's a it's a it's a way of life about focusing on what's important in this moment not about getting letting the noise in yeah absolutely there's an awful lot of, of people spend an awful lot of their lives worrying about what has gone wrong in the past worrying about what could go wrong in the future and not actually living and enjoying the moment. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a, a personal example. I did um, a, a resilience training course for about 400 people um, not long ago in a local authority. Um, and there's 400 people in the room. And I put up on the screen behind me a big picture of some really darn nice flowers. Um, and I said, uh, put your hands up if you think these flowers are pretty. And of course, all the hands went up. And I kind of went, well, put your hands up if you think that your working environment is ugly. And they all put their hands up. And then a kind of third question, put your hands up if you would like flowers like these in and around your working environment to make it less ugly. And of course, everybody's hands went up. And I kind of went, well, would you be interested to know that those flowers were photographed within two yards of the front entrance to this building? Um, and of course, you know, nobody believed me. And the thing is, they were so stressed and so anxious about all the things that could go wrong in their lives, they'd not actually stopped to look about the things that were going right no. in their lives. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that negative filter, isn't it? I think it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, you're so they can be so consumed by 
you know, looking from that negative point that they actually miss everything. That's the perspective is very much clouded and foggy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's a whole. I said this is a raft of, of tools. So there's mindfulness, or there's there's PMR, progressive muscle relaxation, which is a uh, a whole bunch of other things. But my favourite tool is one which I, you know you and I have talked about in the past. It's called Catch the Apple. Um, it's it's a, a a brilliant little exercise, and I'm just going to explain it to you like this. When I was younger, I used to do a lot of rock climbing, and at about four feet off the ground, I was brilliant. <laughs> at 40 feet off the ground I was less brilliant the rock face hadn't got any harder <laughs> but the consequences of falling had got greater right? so, so moves that I would do without thinking four foot from the ground I, I couldn't bring myself to even contemplate 40 feet from the ground in case they didn't work and I, I fell off and before anybody asks yes I was using harnesses and ropes and stuff but still it's a psychological thing and Catch the apple is, a, is an exercise that says basically concentrate on the gig, concentrate on the moment, concentrate on what you're doing and be in the room with the people at the time. Don't concentrate on the consequences. So the, original, the actual catch the apple exercise goes like this. Suppose I throw you an apple and I say, if you drop the apple, I will take 10 quid off you. Obviously, you're going to want to catch the apple. And then I throw the apple and say, if you drop the apple, I'm going to take a thousand quid off you, steal your car and burn your house down. Has the actual task got any harder? No, the task is the same. What do you have to do? Catch the apple. Yeah, but the consequences um, are a lot, a lot higher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But because people worry about the consequences of whatever it is that they are doing, they, they they make it more likely that they will screw up whatever it is that they are. You know. In fact, I'll give you a personal example. Um, a, a, just over a month ago, I was working in, in Singapore. And by the time I, they'd flown me out to Singapore, paid for my hotels, paid for my plane tickets, bought my videos, bought my um, franchise material, bought my um, online training course and all of that kind of stuff, I stood in front of a, a dozen people and thought, I, I'm, I'm costing them about 10,000 quid to stand here on this day for a dozen people. I better be freaking good for 10 grand. Now, hang on a minute. Catch the apple. Just do the gig. Do what it was that I was going to do. You know, if, it, if the gig had been in Gateshead or in Devon or in Edinburgh, I'd have been fine about it. And I got nervous and started to worry the consequence about the nerves of it, start to get the better of me, because I was worth 10,000 pounds a day in Singapore. In fact, the actual gig... It was exactly the same as the gig I would have done in, in Gateshead or Edinburgh or Devon or anywhere else. And I just had to remind myself, you know, just yeah. catch the apple. Yeah. No, I think that's good because it's, it's a way to just to ground you into that moment rather than, wow, okay, all of this is going on. I'm in Singapore. There's, there's a lot more. But just to put yourself into that place and go, I've done this a thousand times. I know exactly what I'm doing and let's just let's yeah. just do it. No, it's what's, what's my job? My job is to catch the apple. And it's it's such a great phrase, actually. It's, it's one we use around here a lot whenever we're getting nervous or excited about something. One of us will just look at the other and just grin and go, just catch, catch the it. effing apple, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So was that tip number five? or is that, was, you... that, was, that, was, that was kind of lots four and of a half. extended tip number four. Because tip number five, are you ready? Tip number five, there is no silver bullet for confidence. 
If there was a silver bullet for confidence, it would be this. Breathe with your diaphragm. Not your intercostal muscles, not your chest, because that's hardwired to your fight or flight reflex and adrenaline and a whole bunch of things. But if you learn to breathe properly with your diaphragm, like children do, like you're supposed to do, like you do when you're sleeping and relaxed and happy, then all kind of good hormone type things happen to you and your confidence goes up. Yeah, and and, and the truth the truth is sometimes it's the easy strategies that are the most effective. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to argue with about that one. Yeah, you're right. That is true. But this one ain't an easy strategy. This is a simple strategy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good point. No, good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Simple is not the same as easy. Just ask anybody who's tried to lose weight. You know, the, the two rules for losing weight, eat less, move more. It could not be more simple, but it's not easy. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, very true. And some people don't like doing it because it changes how they look. I was um I was speaking to some people about because we I was talking about you know change from the diaphragm diaphragmatic breathing, um and Go on, just say that three times. <laughs> I don't even want to say it again. Definitely not. Um, but it's you know some people go well I can't do that because I'll look you know I'll, I'll look either a little bit more overweight or because obviously your belly comes out more when when you breathe like that and it's a it's a strange thing how some things block us from doing what we want to, need to do. Yeah, I hear that complaint a lot. At which point I just I've got a two-word response to them for that one. I can imagine, Simon. <laughs> it's not It's not that. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> it's a two-word combination, the first of which is Benedict and the second of which is Cumberbatch. Okay. Uh, go on. Well, you look at him and um, 99% of the female population goes four and half the male population goes, yeah, you know what, four. And he's breathing like that. But nobody stands there and goes, yeah, his belly's moving. God, I don't fancy him anymore because his belly's moving. Oh, it's not happening, you know? So, number six. Oh, hell's teeth. <laughs> number six. Um, do you know what? I forgot what number six was. Oh, yeah, number six, be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a one. You, what's that, like an emergency one in case you forget it? It's on a poster note in front of your desk. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so be prepared is, is obviously prepare your presentations prepare your work because if you're more prepared and you've practiced you're going to be able to come up and, and do absolutely the stuff. absolutely even one tiny bit of rehearsal is better than no rehearsal at all and it's worth pointing out that rehearsal is not the same as practice and it's worth pointing out that practice does not make perfect let, let me unpack those practice makes permanent not perfect so if what you're doing is the wrong thing to do practicing it is just compounding the error is that making sense so so if if it's a presentation for example make sure it's right before you practice it if it's talking to your boss and asking for a raise make sure you're asking him in the right way or her for that matter in the right way before you start you know, before you start over and over and over again uh, re rehearsal is much more about thinking what could happen here what would i do if and all of that kind of stuff, rather than the actual ropes going over things over and over. I'm gesticulating here, which is not a really good idea for a podcast, is it? Um, uh, rehearsal is a process. Practice, we say, is the, is, the, is the bit within that where you go over something again and again and again and again and again and again until you can't get it wrong. So rehearsal is a process where you think, okay, I'm going to try and do this. What might go wrong? 
And then practice is when you go, okay, that's the thing that might go wrong. How do I get it absolutely nailed right so it can't go wrong? And then you want the next thing that might go wrong and you practice that one over and over and over until it can't possibly go wrong again. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, brilliant. Simon, there are some extremely effective tools there. And... um well, they're very simple ones as well. That's the beauty of them. Well, isn't they're the nicest ones, though, aren't they? Because quite often we talk about people making the excuses. Quite often the excuses are is because they're too complicated. And I think is if we can create, as you said before, and correct me, which is thank you, as we say simple rather than easy, simple is going to be much more likely that we are going to even start to attempt rather than those those complicated ones. And I think that's the that really is the most important part because then at least it's about giving, hopefully gives them the confidence or the listeners the confidence to be able to go, okay, well, well, I'm going to try that the next time I have a presentation or I need to speak to someone or, you know, I go on a date or whatever. Or go to a conference or or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, so we now come to my favourite part, which is the, um, the quick shot question time. So I hate this. I'm not looking uh, forward to this at all. Okay, so the first the first question is how much time a month do you spend on self development? Uh honestly, can I give obviously. You how much time per month I pretend I spend on personal development. <laughs> well how much all right, well let's say aim. How much okay, would right. you aim to aim, and then how the much objective. do you Okay, yeah. here's a company policy, here's my plan. A maximum of three days a week working with clients. Because after that, you're too knackered to do anything other than go through the motions. And then a half day on admin and a half day on marketing, or in my case, a half day avoiding admin and a half day avoiding marketing, and then a full day a week on personal development. That's the plan. That's that's the aspiration. So 20% of my time is spent on research, development, all all of that kind of jazz. That's the theory. In practice, I reckon I achieve that two thirds of the time. Yeah, and then this is the thing: is I think the important thing is is about I setting a target to try and achieve. But you know, owning your own business, we both know how challenging it is to own your own business and to go, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But the fact that you're able to still do two thirds out of interest, does that self development include your mastermind meeting? It does. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Fine. That's cool. I was going to say because you could add almost a date to that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's, no, that, that's, yeah that's another episode altogether <laughs> so okay so that's brilliant so the next question is what is your favorite dev- personal development book and why and it does not necessarily have to be a personal development book but it's something that you find has been beneficial to you to for self-development all right well obviously the best personal development book in the world is one called presentation genius it was published by hot stout and about oh sorry um you mean one that somebody else read okay um it's not it's not a, a self-development book at all it's what they would call now young adult fantasy fiction um and it's called uh what's it called what's it the wizard wizard of Earthsea by ursula Le Guin. and it talks very very much about getting off the defensive um, sure, yes, defense is necessary when you've taken a blow and you need to recover and all that kind of stuff. But there comes a point when the only way to change something is to put your weight onto the front foot <laughs> and go forward and, and stop allowing events to dictate how you respond. You have to somehow, in some way, shape or form, 
even if it just means taking the hits in the meantime, you've got to kind of push forward and start. And there's a bit in the book where um, Sparrowhawk, the hero, has been running around the place being chased by a monster called the Gebeth. Um, he takes refuge with his 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 tutor. Um, at one point, his tutor wakes up in the morning and Sparrowhawk is gone. And there's a note on the bed that says, Master, I go hunting, which basically means Sparrowhawk has got up his arse. He thought, enough is enough. I'm going to take this monster on. And the monster hasn't got any easier to fight. It's just that Sparrowhawk is look is, is hunting it rather than it hunting him. So it kind of, um, and the book also talks a gr- very great deal about the difference between being and doing, and making sure you find the balance between the two. Because if you don't know what you are, then it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Brilliant. Okay. Was question three is is what is your favourite app? Now I've got a feeling I know this one because yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, mine. Do. So you may have to yeah. pick another one. <laughs> okay. Well, um, my favourite app, without a shadow of a doubt, is is Evernote. Um, can we? Can I answer the question? What's my favourite app amongst all the others? Yes, absolutely. I think that would be fair. Okay. Good, because Evernote. If you've not got Evernote, then then what planet are you on? <laughs> yeah, just, where have you been? Get Evernote. Yeah. Um, incidentally, I've just taken possession of an Evernote moleskin notebook, um, and. It combines the beauty of of handwriting uh, and, and making notes freestyle and page to paper, and then automatically digitizing them into Evernote. It's just an even more glorious use of, of, of Evernote. But, yeah, I think we're going to do an episode solely on Evernote, just because I think this it it can be used in so many different gorgeous. ways. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So the next uh, app, the next one is called Drop Task. Um, it's just it's there are a million task management systems out there, but Drop Task just appeals to me. It just it works the same way as I think, if that makes sense. Um, so if you want to have tasks nesting within tasks and nesting within projects, when it displays them on the screen in front of you, they are physically little circles within medium-sized circles within big circles. So you can it just you it's can more see of a visual representation. Yeah, it's it's a very very visual representation, uh, and it just appeals to the way you know to, to the way that I think, uh, and it works. It's it's agnostic for operating systems. It works on pretty much any operating system, um, and there's a free version. And well, hell, why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you try it, and at least <laughs> okay. So, question four is: What was your what has been your biggest mistake, and what did it teach you? In, within your business, or maybe your life, but let's not go down. Let's do to business. <laughs> <laughs> biggest mistake in life, getting caught. I'm sorry. Um, biggest mistake in business, I think, was, well, I don't know. Yes, I do. It was when I was starting out, I didn't put systems in place, and I did things manually, and the effort of writing a system to do something quite simple was just not going to be worth it. Um, because I could, you know, it was it was a manual invoice, and I could, you know, I can manually write an invoice, you know, straightforwardly, as it were. Um, but then, this, then the business takes off, and you're still having Someone, the same. Problem. Someone's desperate to get hold of you. <laughs> yeah, I've no idea who it is, <laughs> and I'm getting quite annoyed by this. Is, this is live. <laughs> Turn the damn phone off. Do you know what's what's really funny about it? is that um, as I walked in here to do the recording, I looked at it and thought, must turn the phone off, and then laughed at myself and thought, nobody has rung me in the last three days. Don't be ridiculous, son. Okay, for, for those listeners who remember rule six, which was <laughs> be prepared, 
and plan. Um, I just want to notice that even the greatest of us can make mistakes. So please proceed. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what I was talking about now. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about we were talking about systemization, oh, yeah, which yeah, is your absolutely. biggest mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, just not having systems and things in, in, in place for things, so that when it scaled, I, I wasn't ready for it, and I found myself struggling to do the basic, simple you know the noddy tasks finding time to send invoices finding time to chase invoices finding time to do my backups and things well you know why would i have not have spent an hour earlier on automating the process of doing backups so that i didn't have to spend 10 minutes every couple of days manually doing backups you know it's 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 little things like that it's that it's that kind of like it's that maximum output in the in short term to benefit you in long term that makes helps you work smarter, not necessarily harder. Absolutely. So um, now I adopt the the process of every time I do something, I I go one step closer to automating it. So that by the end of the you know by the end of let's say if it's a six step process, by the time I've gone through it six times, it's completely automated. Yeah. No. That, yeah. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So question number five is what are your challenges in balancing work and life? Because that's quite a common question that comes up when I'm speaking to entrepreneurs. It's how do I do this work-life balance? And although I think that's a slight myth because I think people think it should be 50-50, it is that sort of the, the challenge that we do have owning our own business and maintaining that to be with family and, and our partners. Do you know what? Stuff. I'm, I'm, I can, with a hand on my heart, I can say that I've got this one sussed because... <laughs> <laughs> are you calling me a liar i'm yeah. cringing under my, my desk to hear this one well what i do at this point is i go to my diary and i put into my diary my family time my holiday time my recharge time before anything else so that it's not just not just that it goes into the diary but it goes into my diary before my meetings before work and all of that kind of jazz. So um, let me just I'll pull my diary up now. Um, and looking at my diary, it's a, it's a busy week for, for next week. But I can see looking at my diary now that I've got two sessions and coffee in, 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 the, in the diary. You know, I've, I've got a coffee time with somebody and I've got two, two gym sessions. Um, they're in the diary and they go in there and they've been in there looking at them now when it was that I put them in. Um, yeah, they've been in there weeks and weeks and weeks. So my my work goes around my, uh, you know, around my 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 downtime. And that can be quite challenging for some people. It's because they they're trying to you know you're trying to get the business off the ground and you know all of the commitments you need to do your sales and marketing, social media and everything else. But there is a key importance of making sure that you're managing the if you want the non-work part of your life as well because that also determines how performance and product productive you are within business because it it's part of your recharge isn't it it's part of that that whole yeah, life absolutely. model thing yeah absolutely and it's you know I'm, I'm not putting the the downtime in there to be lazy i'm putting the downtime in there because it makes me better at what i do yeah purpose sort of strategic and purposeful absolutely um, so, for example, next week I've got I've got three days delivery, Monday, Tuesday, and then I've consciously put into my diary on Wednesday um, a coffee session with, with, with a friend and going to the gym. 
rather than work on Wednesday morning, you know, so that by Thursday when I've got another live gig um, in front of a diff- quite a challenging one looking at actually, um, I'm, I'm fresh for it. Now, this one, may you may have already answered, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known when you started started out? Uh, what do, do I wish I had known? I wish I had known that, and I say this in the nicest way, people don't care. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I would make phone calls and nobody would reply and I would be upset or offended and think it was because they didn't want my material and all of that kind of jazz or they thought I was an idiot. Actually, people don't care. It's just that they're busy. Uh, and unless you are top of mind, things don't get followed up. So this idea of of waiting, I think, is it, what is it? Uh, it's, I think it's called, uh, what's the book? I found what it's called, get off your ass. Get off your ass. There's a great phrase in the, in the book, get off your ass, where he says, uh, um, aggressively waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> yeah, um, we've all been there, I reckon. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And I was doing that for a while because my marketing was good and I knew that I did what something that people desperately needed and I waited them, for them to come to me. Um, and they don't. And they, and they don't come because they're busy. And when you chase them and they don't return phone calls, it's because they don't care. Care is the wrong word, but you kind of, you, you know yeah, what I mean. I know what you mean. It's kind yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just they've got their stuff going on. You've got your stuff going on. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a conscious re- It's not a deliberate choice that they've not phoned you back. They haven't gone, oh, I'm not phoning him because I don't like him. They've just simply not phoned you because they've been firefighting in their own offices. Yeah, no, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. So the, the final question is something that I'm calling the life lesson quiz. And this is basically a set of lessons that I have written down that I have learned over the last sort of 10 years of getting well and in and, and my recovery. And I am interested to see what other people have, if they have either experienced this or if they have learned something similar. So basically what you do is you get a number from 1 to 50, choose a number, and I will share with you a lesson. And we will will see. All they have to do in the first instance then, pick a number, right? Yeah. Yes, 1 to 50. Number 13. Number 13. Why? Okay. Ah, right. Okay. This is about experience versus bling okay <laughs> this is the the reason why is, is what i learned is is when i was starting to get better in the early stages of my i guess in adulthood it was very much the shiny car the big house you know the whatever emulated that i was either successful or happy or whatever it was and as i got as i started to go through my else and get better i realized that actually investing in an experience is far worth more far far more than something that you basically will you know disappear or something because enjoying the experiences with my family or with friends was just more enriching and i'm i'm wondering what you think about that yeah um I, it doesn't matter what i think i can tell you what the research says oh okay um and the research says you're absolutely right right okay um experiences that the, the the positive buzz that comes from experiences lasts longer than the positive buzz that comes from things yeah because there's probably guilt attached to the bling you know you buy something you know i have, I, rem- I remember buying stuff and then all of a sudden you go oh right okay i've just i've just spent a big chunk of money 
And it, ah, well, okay, right. Let me uh, let me just shoot myself in the foot here by going. What I have just said doesn't apply if I spend a big chunk of money on a new Mac computer. No, not at all. Ma- the Max Tech, it's completely a different thing. I understand what you're saying there. So <laughs> complete. <laughs> yeah. okay. Brilliant. Okay. A, a, a Mac thing is an event, not a not it a is. thing. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, fanfares and the works. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So, Simon, play, can you share with us how we can find out more information about you? You know, the, we know you've um, you mentioned quite um, deliberately <laughs> <Subtly>. about, your, <laughs> about your book. So if you could mention that stuff, how people could get hold of you, and then we will finish off with the show. Uh, the book, just go to any good bookstore or Amazon or whatever. Um, if you want to talk to me, best way of doing that is probably to pop along to the website, which is presentationgenius.info, or just email me, uh, simon at presentationgenius.info, um, or hunt me out on Twitter. Twitter is always good, where my, my handle is at presentations. Brilliant. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll put all of the links on the show notes so everyone's got got that for you and simon thank you very much for joining me on the show as usual it's an absolute pleasure um you've always really enjoyed it and i hope those tips are are useful to people if they are um that's fantastic if they're not then i encourage people to just drop me a line and we'll you know I'll, i'll i'll find some more tips that are more helpful for them brilliant thanks very much simon and you have a great evening I will. You take care of yourself, friend. Bye-bye. Brilliant. Thanks very much, everyone. So if you've enjoyed the show and you want to send me any questions, please send your questions to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk. And I would also love to invite you to subscribe to the show, get the latest notes and updates on when the episodes air. And please share and make comments on the show because it gives me an opportunity to help and give impact to others so i'd like to take this opportunity to wish you a fantastic week and i look forward to speaking to you next week on the show take care have a wonderful day 